Welcome, everyone, to The Swarm. I'm here with our class manager, Martin Evans. It's been a little while since we, we had a chat, but we got Martin back on. He's uh, he's recovered from the European Games that happened in uh, in Kiberon in France uh, last week. Uh, hugely successful. Uh, you know, we saw some unbelievable footage across the across the week. 150 plus boats, just an amazing scene. Martin, welcome. Hey, thanks. Yeah, you say I'm recovered. I'm just just about recovered. I'd say that was probably the most stressful event of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a it was a bit hectic by the sound of it. There was obviously um obviously plenty going on. Uh, you know, dealing with sort of new race management, trialing a couple of different formats and and things like that. Uh. You know the the marathon. I mean the the imagery from from that looked uh, looked sensational, mate. Having sort of 140, 150 boats on the same same line, few of them a little bit off the start line, but um, you know half the fleet sort of right there. How how cool was that to to run that for the first time? Yeah, that was yeah that was it was organised chaos in the end, I think, but it was <laughs> it was epic. It was uh, as soon as soon soon as the rib pulled the trigger and all the boats started reaching behind it and and sending it and it was pretty windy by this time uh and fairly dicey conditions uh it was it was an awesome sight probably the coolest thing i've seen in sailing um yeah, and i think it's something that we'll we'll look to do again uh there's lots of things that we can refine um just to make it a little bit smoother for the sailors but but yeah i mean i think that's something that can stay that can stay in our uh in our armor for for future and i can't wait to see it in in sorrento and, and norway yep. and, and all those great places to come yeah absolutely mate i mean it's uh you know obviously we've seen this a bit in windsurfing and things like that with um deafy wind and and stuff like that i mean it's it's one of those things that yeah can't wait to to grow that and um yeah i reckon it's something that you know every sailor will, will want to put in their bucket list to be honest you know get on the same start line with all that reaching start um as you said it was uh it was sort of 20 plus nights blazing sunshine sort of couldn't couldn't have got too much better it all sort of lined up really didn't it yeah no it, it was wicked it was wicked and I, and I think we're really with the and similarly with the slalom stuff we're looking to try and incorporate incorporate that a little bit more into the into the championship as well because these different styles of racing we're doing number one they're really they're really fun to do but but secondly that the good guys always win the races are still high integrity races you know there's there's nothing wrong with them from a race management point of view and so there's no reason not to count them um, yep. and make them part of that championship and so our focus is always going to be on sort of the more classic style when we're doing courses as the bulk of it but there's really no reason why we can't get outside the box a little bit and incorporate these other things and and just give the event something a bit different and a, a new experience for sailors. And and I think people are starting to to rethink what a what a genuine race is. You know, people have been get a little bit stuck in the idea that a race has to be a perfect upwind of windward lured or a trapezoid or whatever it is in, in your class. But you know, people sail around oceans doing races and they just go from A to B, and that's a perfectly legitimate race. And there's no yeah. reason why we can't we can't sort of blend some more formats in and and explore. Or new options and just see what we can we could do to give sailors a, a new experience that's still amazing racing but just something a little bit different um and so yeah. i think that was that was definitely a good successful first run and um and with some refinement with that could be a really awesome staple of of some of our big events yeah that's awesome mate i mean it's just it's one of those things that you know you get the you get the location right you get you know the the wind right you get everything like that and and being able to do these things and add them in as uh 
as a legitimate part of the um the championship. I mean, windsurfing's been doing it for a long time. Um, you know, there's no reason why we can't tinker with it, and it's something that we've been really big on as a as an organisation and as Wasp as a class as well. We've we've always tried to push the envelope on uh on on that side of it, and and just listening to the sailors and um you know what they want to do and uh try some different things and just get that uh stoke level up there. So that's really cool. And um I guess. F- moving through to the actual championship um you know uh, we just had a conversation before we got on onto this podcast just about uh you know the the results and and things like that and you know it obviously sucked up a fair bit of your time going to a new venue um with the race management and things but you know got on top of all of that and and that was really good and and all the feedback's been sensational uh from the from the competitors um and things but as a venue mate what what did you think as a venue, it's it's great. It's got the potential to be. I mean, and and it was uh, amazing racing. Um, we, I think, we were probably fairly lucky with the weather in the sense that we had bright blue sky and great foiling breeze every day. And the, every day the breeze built as the day went on, so it started off sort of a little bit patchy and and slightly more marginal. By the time the the fourth race came about, it was it was pumping. Um, mm. So everybody got their slice of of their perfect conditions in a way. Um, and we could have quite easily sailed later in the day and just had really windy sailing every day. So, I mean, the wind is always good there. It's not always as sunny as it was. So I think we were lucky from that sense. Um, everyone got to spend a lot of time outside hanging out in the boat park and doing that social stuff too. So, um, so from a race racing perspective, the place is awesome. And the venue itself at the, at the ENV, which is the, is a French national sailing school, um, launching's, awesome and it's just a massive compound it's just got everything you need so so uh, you know it just can't be beaten um in terms of a a place to do foiling events i don't think and especially in france it's got to be the best place for it yeah for sure mate talk talk us through a bit of the racing um you know it's uh it seems like we never go an event really without it coming down to the last race and um you know it being all on for for the championship uh we saw that at last year's wasp games we've basically seen at every event that we've uh we've raced in the the standard at the at the top end is just sublime really and the racing's incredible yeah so it, well it all kicked off with a slalom and it's probably the best slalom tournament we've ever had um where it was super close um super close racing in there and we had a 20 boat final and coming into the finish line for that it was stacked at the end and uh, we did three races from that um, so that sort of set the tone a little bit on what we we're going to expect for the rest of the week um but then the really the really nice thing i thought from this Europeans is that we've seen some, I'll say new faces um, come up to the top. And it's not that, you know, these guys have been sailing the Wasp for a while, um, but they've yet to really sort of make their stamp on the international scene. Um, and so we had uh, Magnus Overbeck from Denmark, who uh, is, you know, he's done the GP Inspire and he's done a lot of uh, Euro Cups and other events through the, through the years. Um, but I think this is the first time he's really sort of, gone out there and he, he was wearing the yellow jersey for most of the yep. week um and and i had no, no disrespect to him i don't think anybody would have predicted that his performance would be that strong and he was absolutely smashing it yep um and just handling the pressure like a champ um and so he was coming to the last day with a yellow jersey on having worn it for i think three days straight yeah maybe four days straight he was he was on it um and then we had marcus Berthet who um who again is he's been to Australia over the winter and he's been showing his face around the podiums at some of these events, but 
hasn't really struck out and and smashed it on the on the big international scene and he went into the last day in fourth place and then just scored you know just scored like three top fives or something in the mm. on the last or four top fives even you know he just absolutely smashed it and it came down to the final race between those guys uh, and Ettore Botticini from Italy uh, and e- any of them could have won it on that last race and then Marcus just went out there and won the race by absolutely miles like yeah right I was I was getting up I was I was sitting on the shore mm. you know in the results pit getting getting ready for for uh for trying to get 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 the um the media informed on who was going to win and so sort of trying to get updates from all these places on the race course and i had people yep. sending me videos and there was marcus flying by and then there'd be like a minute and then the next <laughs> boat would fly by and yeah, it was right. just you, you couldn't you know you know it's going to be high stress on the last race and you think oh you know, anybody could win this, but equally anybody could bottle it at the same time. Um, but he just went out there and just destroyed it. So, um, yeah, yeah, credit to him. And so, and so it's great because now we've got this new podium of people that haven't been on the podiums before. With we've got Marcus, and then we've got Magnus, and then Etterade, um is no stranger to the front of the fleet, um, and was probably one of the favourites going into this. Uh, so, no surprise that he's up there. But it's great to see that we've got a Norwegian, we've got a, a Danish, and so that that sort of Northern Europe fleet is. Uh, is building and, and doing well. And that really, that puts us in good stead for Norway in 2024 uh, with yep. our Norwegian champ defending it. Um, and then the Danish hot on their heels. I think it's uh, it's setting up for a really cool year next year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I suppose um, we're going to talk to Marcus as well on the, on the next podcast, um, you know, about how it all, all went for him, but you know, he, I wouldn't say he came from a long way back, but he certainly had to claw his way back the whole series. You know, he, I think he started, day one he was outside the top 10 um you know and and he's had to fight his way back and and even Etteray as well just you know he he was one of the favorites he won the slalom um you know but he had to really claw his way back through the fleet um to give himself a chance on the on the final day and um you know I think uh I think it was Casper who from Germany who was in second I mean after the final day he ends up in seventh or eighth um, you know, that's, that's how tight, uh, the whole thing was at the, at the end of the day. And I think it's, it's just fantastic when you can go to, you know, we see a lot of events where, you know, the leaders are, are picket fencing or, you know, doing that sort of thing. And this is just wide open and you can't, as a competitor, you just can't go to sleep on it because the, the fleet will be all over you. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a spectator, it's fantastic because it's right there till the end. Yeah, well, that's it. It's funny you mentioned Casper. Actually, I think that was his first Europeans. Mm. Um, so it was a proper shake-up, you know. He and and he's yep. a junior. He's yep, kids under eighteen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a serious talent to watch for the future. But um, yeah, first Euros that young. You know, he's done some of the Euro Cups and he's been around some of the good guys, but hasn't really again nailed his spot at the top. And then all of a sudden, he's he's in a jersey as well for most of the week. And mm. yeah, awesome performance uh, and ends up being the junior champ. So. Yeah, that was super impressive. And and Marcus, like you say at the start, he was the distance race. I think he was he was deep. Yeah. You know? yep. It was pretty full on race. And and with the with the scoring, you could basically discard four races through the championship. Um and most people would discard two from qualifying and two from finals because finals is harder. Mm-hmm. But I think Marcus discarded three or maybe even four from qualifying, which just shows how solid his final series was. Yeah. You know, even though it was much, much tougher racing, he actually yeah, perform better. You know, counted yeah. almost all of those scores. So that's really cool. 
yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting uh thing too because you talk about the junior and junior and the youth, I suppose, in you know Magnus and Casper and and things like that. But um, you're sort of getting a bit of a gauge of where you really hit your straps in the in the wasp because uh, I think that might have been going into the final day. I think nineteen of the top thirty were apprentice sailors um that were that were going into it so it, it's really cool and why i think that's really cool is so apprentice for those that are listening that don't know that's that's above 21 and below 35 is it no 39, 39 sorry yeah so pretty wide range there but you what i find is really cool about that is that you're a junior you come into this class Sure, you can compete, you can have good races and things like that. But the ones that are that are really getting, you know, the bang for their buck are the ones that are staying in the class a couple of years. You really got to do a good few years to to really earn your stripes. And um and then we're actually retaining those sailors beyond junior and youth sailing and coming into the wasp class. And that's when you're really starting to to find your peak. So I think that's really cool how the how the class is sort of sorting itself out at the at the front end there. Yeah, for sure, and it and it's it's not the case that you can sail in the class for a couple of years. Get you know, if you're a decent sailor, sail in the class for a couple of years, get good, and then go and win because it's now so competitive that anybody who thought they were on that path and they've you know they've moved into that apprentice, they're in their mid twenties or thirties or whatever, and they've sailed the boat for a few years and they they've been climbing their way to the top and they they're about to strike on that top point, and then all of a sudden we got these juniors coming in who are then yeah. shaking everything up again. So. You know, it's it's now going to be a, an ongoing challenge forever, where it's never going to be easy to win, uh, yep. and it's always going to be you know a mixture of talent and and the hard work you put in. But it but it is wide open to anybody in the mm. age range. Um, you know, there's Emanuela Savoini's, he's now a master, so he's forty, yeah. um, but he's you know he's always been performing at the top, and he's been podiuming at all sorts of events and winning lots of Italian events. So um, I think we had yeah, I think we and, had every division every division was uh was actually accounted for within the top 30 except for the supermaster um which was a great battle in itself anyway. Yeah, no that's right. Yeah, we had a, the the full mix and then the supermasters we had um we had Jarvis Tilly and Mikel Vasquez who were the Australian class president and the Spanish class president <laughs> um battling it out through the week and they were actually locked together uh on the scoreboard in consecutive positions by the end of the week yeah. um, up there in Goldfleet. Uh, and I think Jarvis just got the better of Mikel, but it was, it was close. And the, the funny thing is they're, they're actually both family teams as well. So we should yep. probably look into doing a family prize in the future. Um, yeah. Jarvis has got it. His son, Louis is, um, is, has been doing pretty well. He went to CLGP Inspire final and he's been smashing some of the events down under. Um, and he came in uh, on third in the juniors uh, on the podium there. And yep. then uh, Mikel's son Adriano, um, it was also up there with the juniors. I think he was he was top ten juniors for sure, and up, up there in Goldfleet and and up there in some of the races. So they've got this cool father son thing going on, and the supermaster thing going on. Yeah. Um, and I know there's uh, there's some people in the UK who've got some father son combos. Um, so there's no reason why a family prize isn't on the horizon. Yeah. I, look, I think that 2024. I think it's time time we actually get it in there because yeah, I mean we've spoken about it here. In Australia, the Australian Nationals, I think we had four, uh, you know, parent-child um, uh, competitors 
uh, that were in there as well. So teams. So yeah, I think the teams trophy is uh, is going to come alive. So so that's pretty cool. Um, pretty cool evolution. Yeah. And you I know, think it's a it's big that, it's, yeah. There's that classic. <clears throat> oh, I expect what's happening is that either the, the the parents are buying a boat for themselves and thinking, yeah, this is going to be my time to go and have some fun sailing, and then inevitably their kids and their kid end up, ends up borrowing it and taking it, and then they think, oh. I'm going to have to buy another boat and then they have one each or oh. vice versa where they, they buy one for the kid and then they think, oh, actually, I might have a go in this and then they end up buying one for themselves. But it just shows that, you know, it spans the age range and it's it's contagious. You know, as, Abs- soon as, as soon as one person gets into it and says how much they like it, you can't help but have a go. And then next thing you know, you're on the start line yourself. Absolutely. It's a hell of a lot better than being on a rib as well, to be honest, as a parent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, so... Uh, moving forward, we'll move on from the Europeans, um, you know, but moving forward, we've got some, got some really big events and some exciting events happening, uh, back half of 2023 and then into 2024, mate. So just talk us through that. Yeah. So big event coming up this year is the Wasp Games in Sorrento in Australia. Uh, that's in December this year. Uh, and that is, well, it's been a long time since the events have been down under for a major. Um, and so we're going to have all this post-COVID stuff where the fleets haven't really mixed properly and some of the Aussies and Kiwis came to, to Europe last year, but we're really going to see the full Aussie fleet and the full Kiwi fleet in flight down there um, and get some of the top Europeans to come over and we'll finally see a proper matchup of, you know, of who's who and, and how the guys down under have been doing compared to the Europeans who have obviously been super competitive and getting a lot of sailing in over the last few years. Um, but the venue, I mean, you know more about the venue than me, but it looks, from the outside, it looks spectacular. You know, behind this thin peninsula, great breeze, massive beachfront, um, proper holiday destination, and it, and it's right around the corner from Wasp HQ, so yep. great place to go. Yeah, I mean, a bit. it's got some similar vibes to um, Kiberon, where you just were for the for the Euros. Um, the the breezes at that, that time of year, um, you know, we tend to get sort of, you know, afternoon sea breezes, uh, late afternoon sea breezes if it's really warm um, and things like that. But we're sort of right on the shoulder period of the the really busy time. So um, while it'll be relatively busy on the weekends, we'll we'll get the place, uh, you know, a bit to ourselves uh, and to, to sort of be in paradise by ourselves a little bit during the week. So uh, look, if anyone's sitting on the fence, absolutely, I just encourage you to, to jump on uh, get down there. We're we're looking at sort of you know 100, 120 boat fleet uh, down here, which will be unbelievable. Um, we're looking at uh, containers from Europe. Uh, we're looking at the UK contingent. We're looking at the, looks like I think we've got eight Hawaiians that are coming over. Um, this talk of about seven or eight North Americans plus the the fifteen from New Zealand and uh, and the Australian fleet, which we're hoping that we'll sort of end up with around about 65, 70 local boats um for the event so look it should be should be brilliant um and yeah it's you know it's a great place to be if you want to break up your uh your northern hemisphere winter um you know it's a great place to be come down um and and spend some time in australia and uh there's plenty to do uh around that back end of december and start of january for sure yeah it's holiday time isn't it but in the uk gap years are all about going to australia or Southeast yep. Asia, but yeah, Australia is, is the is the biggie loads. People go there and work and pick fruit yep. and whatever for, for their gap year. Yep. And I guess there's a lot of wasp sailors who are basically gap year students right now who've got some time. And yep. if I were, you know, leaving leaving high school, university age, I wouldn't hesitate to get down there, do a Worlds, and then spend Christmas and New Year in Oz partying with all the, all the other students. It'd be wicked. 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. No, there's there's some great things going on. I mean, you can, you know, you can uh, head on head on up to Sydney if you want for the Sydney to Hobart start after the after the games. There's the Boxing Day Test. We won't mention the crickets or the UK um, guys. Or fingers crossed, actually. But um, the but then uh, yeah, you can go down to Hobart for the finish and the big festival down there and and things like that. So there's plenty plenty to do, plenty to happen. And uh, the Wasp Games is going to be uh, the jewel in the crown for for Australian sailing. I feel in uh, in 2023. So it'll be be fantastic. So and then we move forward from that. Another bucket list uh, location in uh, in early 2024, mate, for the Americas. Yes, end of March 2024, we've got Hawaii. And that's basically all you need to say. People hear the word Hawaii and they think yeah, paradise. And it, and it genuinely is a, a falling paradise. The place just, it's the same weather every day of the year, pretty much. You know, they always have 12 to 18 knots of breeze and it's always 25 degrees. And you could sail any time in the day. You could sail overnight, even the breeze is just always blowing yep. there in the trades. And, and the, the yacht club, I mean, as we know, the Hawaiian fleet have been super, super active and really competitive and have been sending over some some really talented young guys to all the European events and some of the events on mainland US. Um, and that and that's just because they sail so much. You know, these guys are getting good because they've got so much time to sail because the wind is always good. You know, you know when you go down to the yacht club, it's gonna be great breeze and it's gonna be warm and it's gonna be flat water, and you just get those hours in. Um, so it'll be awesome to go there and, and the place they've got is inside this reef so it's uh, you know you associate Hawaii with massive ocean swells and big breaking waves and whatever but this this venue is behind a reef nice and protected so Gavin Ball tells me that on a wavy day they get 10 centimeter waves you know it's just <laughs> yeah it's just flat and warm and windy and perfect and and they can't wait to host you know they've, they've been chomping at the bit to try and get an event there for a long time um, yeah. and they're they're doing everything they can to make it amazing. And there's going to be air freight deals, which are going to be super affordable from, from the mainland U S and, and from Australia, New Zealand, where you can, you can fly your boat out there on a plane. So you don't, you're not without your boat for any, any period of time. Um, and that's coming in at, you know, in the high hundreds of dollars for a return trip. So it's, you know, that's, that's super affordable. And the great thing about that event is that it's a bit of a double header. So the U S nationals are going to be run back to back with the Americas. Uh, which means you can basically go there and take a week off work, but get two events under your belt and have eight days of racing uh, or nine days of racing even um, under your belt for that short period of time, um, which is, you know, bang for your buck. Obviously it's far away. There's potentially some costs associated with it, but we're making everything as cost effective as possible. And in terms of the amount of sailing you'll get and the amount of racing you get, it'll actually probably end up being one of the best value events that we can offer. Yep. Um, so yeah, the, the Hawaiians are pumped about it. We're pretty pumped about it, and I think we're we're going to be fighting internally on who gets to go to that one. I think. Yeah, well, not, might have to be all of us. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it it sounds pretty good, mate. And just moving on from that, uh, bucket list location number three in in these events. Uh, and just from a spec spectacle perspective, and uh, you know the the topography around the place. I mean, does it get any better than uh? Santa Fjord in uh, in Norway for the Europeans. No, this place looks awesome. I'm actually going there uh, in a couple of weeks for the Euro Cup, um, which is sort of a test event for the Europeans next year. Uh, and I'm I'm told there's a boat available for me, so I'm going to get myself on the star line as well and really see how it is. Yeah, nice. Um, but the Norwegians sort of they say this is their Norwegian garter, um, and it's uh it's basically a, a long 
fjord that faces south and and uh, they get a nice thermal where the breeze sucks directly up and and you basically get a dead wind with lured straight up the fjord um but it just looks spectacular everything you think about the norwegian fjords in your head is basically what this place is there's lots of little rocky outcrops lots of little little islands and and private swim spots and uh and the, the club itself is is on a little peninsula that's shared with a campsite. Um, and then the club also has another island that it owns uh, just off where people camp or keep their boats and they have barbecues and parties in the evening. Uh, it's just beautiful, like a beautiful, beautiful place. And again, it's one of those places where when people think Norway, they think it's far away and they think it's expensive. But actually, we're going to we're going to work pretty hard to keep the entry fee down. There's camping literally next door. So if you want to do it on a budget, it's easy to do. You know, you can camp basically at the club, roll out of bed in the morning, and it's a 30-second walk to your boat. Yeah. <laughs> so that, so there's, you know, there's options to do it cheap. And there, and there's there's plenty of uh, logistics options to get boats there um, in groups, especially from the UK and from the from the bigger countries that have that have bigger events going on. It's really not a difficult task to get a lot of boats on one trailer and one van and get it there. So that event is going to be awesome. I'll, I'll feedback more in a couple of weeks after I've been there, but I know it's going to live up to my expectations. And of course, the Norwegian fleet have always been really active, super professional, and you know they're going to do everything possible to make it a great event. Um, and we've got absolutely no doubt it's going to be it's going to be a spectacular one. Yeah, for sure, mate. And and they've got some uh, some uh, promotional uh, brochures and things like that that have just come out. So we're going to get them all up online. Uh, we'll get it up on Race Hub and and everything like that, and uh, and get the information out to everybody. But uh, seriously, like twenty twenty four back into twenty twenty three, it's just looking like a super super calendar. And you know, continuing to to try and stick with what the Wasp class is all about, what our culture is all about. We want to go to these bucket list locations. We want to unearth some new places that are fantastic to go foiling. Uh, you know, and we want to get big fleets. We want to get everyone there and and have a great time. So. Look, we might leave it there, Martin. Um, we'll we'll head off, and uh, you can you can get some rest and uh, and fire up for the next big event, mate. Yep, sounds good. Thanks, mate.